This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today... I didn't get the whole thing out yet. What the hell is wrong with you? You Sometimes you say it, sometimes you don't. You know what? I do not need this pressure from you, Missy. My delay is terrible. Okay, our guest today is Brian McCollin. You are... I don't even know what to say about you. Welcome to the show. Woo! Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking now, since Jen has completely messed up the intro. Um, I am drinking Kettle One Botanical Vodka Spritz, 3.6% alcohol. Um, They're there. You may want to put a shot of vodka in these if you get them, just warning you, but this one is peach, orange, and orange blossom. Jen? I'm still drinking Earl Grey tea in, in my Lilo and Stitch mug. Brian, what are you drinking? I am drinking um, High West Whiskey from the distillery on the other side of the mountain from me. What is the other side of the mountain from you? Uh, The other side of the mountain from me is Park City, which is the hoity-toity area of Utah where um, a lot of uh, the Sundance Film Festival happens. (laughs) Um, Big uh, ski resort. uh, And uh, every fall, I invite a bunch of my high school buddies out to my house to hang out for the weekend. And a couple of years ago, um, my best friend said, uh, there is a whiskey distillery that I really like their whiskey um, over in Park City. Can we go to that? And so we spent a day up in Park City and uh, and I bought a couple of bottles and I'm actually not much of a drinker. Um, I still am. This is actually the last of the first bottle. Um, and uh, and so, so yeah, I... Uh, it's it's but it's fancy and it's fun and honestly the distillery is great the restaurant there is great too um that is awesome i love i there's a local there's obviously you can pretty much get craft beer anywhere you live nowadays because craft beer is everywhere but there are some local distilleries here where we live in the tampa bay area they're kind of amazing but if you start doing a podcast that involves the word drinking every present from your friends from that point on involves a bottle of alcohol because they assume that what you really need is more alcohol all the time my bar is ridiculous i have so much alcohol that, <laughs> um, and i appreciate it but yes I, I okay so we're into rapid fire questions my friend are you ready oh good okay that didn't sound ready but we're gonna do it anyway um <laughs> what is your favorite book of all time oh man um when this is asked, I like I kind of have I'm I'm really bad at choosing like favorite anything. Um, I uh, but I like I usually do like a top five kind of thing. But I'll probably go with Count of Monte Cristo. Very cool. Why? Um, because it's awesome. Uh, because it's it's like it's it's the book that has everything right. It's got you know it's got revenge and romance and duels and every it's really freaking good um and uh i i read the unabridged count of monte cristo when i was in like when i was like 12 or 13 uh and i fell in love with it. i didn't understand half of it at that point um but i fell in love with it and uh and it's just stupidly good 
Um, and, and I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a sucker for the cold, the, the slow burn cold revenge story. Um, I, you know, for those that read my books, you'll notice that I, I have kind of, and I've talked about this on panels before that I have kind of a disdain for the, um, for the farm boy trope of epic fantasy, you know, the young inexperienced person who comes off the farm and immediately is the world's best general uh, and the world's yeah. best duelist and all that stuff. Um, and so people that read my books will know that I really like having kind of competent characters that are either in their prime or past their prime, um, well-trained, you know, kind of badass kind of characters. And, uh, and that's kind of like that, like the second half of Count of Monte Cristo, you know, watching, you know, the Count just absolutely flay his enemies. is just, oh, it's beautiful. Little following that up, what is the least favorite book of all time? <laughs> um, God, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it was something Thomas Hardy wrote. And I know that because I read it in college in one of my literature classes and I, I had to give a presentation on it. And I started the presentation by saying the world would be better if Thomas Hardy had been smothered in his cradle. Um, and <laughs> then I found out after my presentation, I found out he was my teacher's favorite author. Um, so that, that didn't go well for my grade in that class. Uh, but to the, I genuinely, I don't remember what the book was. Um, I'm sure he wrote tons of horrible books. Um, but, uh, but I have very little patience for boring, uh, depressing kind of uh, like, like English literature sort of, uh, I don't like it. Super pretentious. Right. That kind of pretentious, like the world is awful and we're all going to die alone sort of, uh, yeah, I, I, I've never liked it. Even as a kid, you know, in English classes, I always skipped those books. Um, and honestly, I think that, 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 that book that I had to give a report on, I'm pretty sure I only read the first few chapters <laughs> and wow. I just, I read the first few, cause that was my MO in college. Um, cause I'm very good at bullshitting things. Uh, and so my MO in college was read the first few chapters. If it's fun, I'll finish the book probably tonight. Uh, if it's really stupid or boring, then I will check spark notes or I'll skim through and I'll read the final chapter or whatever. And, uh, and honestly, there's a lot of that kind of English lit sort of pretentious, boring, you know, depressing crap that I, I did that, like, you know what? I'm sure someone smarter than me finds this book amazing and has lots of good reasons for it. I think it sucks. I'm assuming you don't finish books then when you start them that you are like, and I'm done. This is terrible. Yeah, I don't I don't have the attention span for that. If if a book is if a book does not keep me going, then I and sometimes if a book does keep me going, I'll still not finish it. I, I'm really bad. When I was a teenager, I would read voraciously and I would, I would just, I would plow through pretty much anything as long as it was a bit exciting. Um, but then when I, once I actually became a professional author, I, I barely read anymore, uh, which is a little bit sad, but like, it's, it's that kind of, it's the, it's the knowing how the sausage was made thing where you, you're kind of like, you know, I know how this 
I know how plots are constructed. I know how characters are designed. I basically know what the plot of this book is going to be. Um, and they're not going to surprise me. And so I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't really do. I don't even really watch a lot of like dramatic television. I, I tend to be very much into like, if I'm, if I'm not working, uh, which creating dramatic, interesting things is my job. Um, if I'm not working, I prefer to like watch comedy, you know, watch a stand-up special or like a British panel show or uh, just you know, something that is not what I do for a living. It's interesting you say that. I have that a lot with um, books too. There are books I like to read just because they're entertaining to me in that moment, but they're not like investing. I do not have to get invested in the book to read the book, if yeah. that makes sense. I can pick it up, put it down. And then there are books um, when I do that, and it's true with movies and stuff too, where you see how the plot goes and you're like, this is what's going to happen. And then it's true. They stop being entertaining. I love it when somebody, you read the book and you're like, what the hell just happened? Like, what did they just do? I love that effect in a book. When somebody does that, I always have such admiration when they twist things in such a way that they there were no breadcrumbs and then you arrive somewhere and you're like oh my god but they do it well where they're also not throwing you out of the story i think that's a talent mm -hmm. where they don't suddenly have the character do something that you're like what what just happened there you know instead you're like what the mom earmuffs what the fuck just happened like that kind of thing yeah i i actually i i love that and admire that a ton um do you game are you a gamer were you yes. gamer? You strike me as a gamer, so I do. I do a lot of gaming, mostly video games. Um, I uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a problem. <laughs> uh, not as much of a problem after I I went cold turkey off of League of Legends like five years six years ago. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, my biggest probably the biggest time sink of my hobbies is is video games. What are you playing right now? Um, I just got back to RimWorld, um, which is this little indie, uh, it's this little indie kind of survival city building game, um, which is kind of my jam. Um, I, uh, I, I don't occasionally I'll get into like a first person shooter, um, but it's pretty rare. Uh, and I used to be really into like real time strategy, but real time strategy kind of went away, you know, once like once blizzard kind of stopped making strategy games and then and you know westwood closed and stuff like that you just there's not a lot of like it, it i don't know i guess i guess there's probably plenty of real-time strategy it just none of it interests me anymore um so i'm i'm very much into kind of you know slow burns strategy kind of city builders where you kind of have to balance lots of different factors to keep your little people your fake people alive um and uh have you thought about doing choose your own adventure books for adults if you like that sort of thing <laughs> that is a long drawn out slow burn and it takes a lot of planning and strategy to do a build your own adventure or read your you know whatever yeah or see but, but i don't i don't want to do it professionally oh I, I just want to do it for fun um you know, I, I occasionally think it would be a huge amount of fun to work on a video game, like as a writer, but then I realize, oh, wait, this is what I do for fun. And if I do it professionally, I will ruin it. Um, maybe forever or maybe just 
just a little bit, but I still, I'm, I'm good at epic fantasy novels. I'll stick with that for now. So what are you reading right now, if anything? Oh man, I'm not really reading anything. I don't like, like I was saying, I don't really read that much, which is, I, which is actually kind of one of the biggest regrets of my adult life is that I don't read very much anymore. I, I do listen to podcasts um, and I, I love history stuff. Um, so if I do read, it tends to be in the form of an audiobook. If I'm going on a road trip or if, or if I'm just planning a weekend of playing like a mindless game, I'll throw on an audiobook in the background. Um, and I'll just listen. Uh, and, and so I don't really, gosh, it's, it's been a while since I've listened to an audiobook. Um, but I listen to a couple of history podcasts, which are kind of the next best thing from listening from, you know, a, a history audiobook. Um, and, uh, and, and that tends to be kind of both personal interest because I find it interesting, uh, but also kind of a professional sort of, oh yeah, this is probably going to give me fodder for interesting characters and cool events and stuff like that. You do a lot of research into your books. You talked about it being Napoleon-esque and stuff like that. Do you do a lot of research into certain events to guide what you put in your book or do you just wing it? I am a Wikipedia researcher. If I can't find it on Wikipedia, it's not going in the book. <laughs> um <laughs> But I mean, I guess that's that's why I write epic fantasy like secondary world is that I don't have to get facts right. You know, like it's if I need to look up like, yeah, of course, I'm going to like do research on very basic things like military structure or, you know, how how what the muzzle velocity of like a, a flintlock, uh, you know, rifle is going to be, you know, things like that. Um, I'll of course, I'll look that kind of stuff up. Um, but in terms of, you know, some, some reader or some writers will, they'll get a stack of 15 books and, and voraciously pour through each one and do notes and things like that. And honestly, I have a huge amount of respect for people that have the patience to do that. Um, but my attention span is just not able to deal with that. Uh, and, uh, and so I tend to, it tends to be very loose with me where I'll just, my kind of, I'll do, I'll do. I'll do research on basic facts that I need to put into the book. But in terms of anything deeper, it's like, it's just vague inspiration of, oh, that's a really interesting thing that I just learned about this particular time period. I should, I should, I'll, I'll jot a little note down to revisit that later. And I might use something similar in a future book. And that's basically the end of it. Where do you get your inspiration for your next stories? Because you you said you did, you you seem to do books in threes, right? And then little novellas off of that. Mm -hmm. Where do you get your inspiration for the little novellas? Um, for that, it'll be, honestly, they tend to be, this is another reason I don't like schedules because, uh, especially for my self-published stuff, is that it tends to just kind of come to me and it'll be like, a, oh, this thing that I just learned about it's kind of interesting and it could really fit this character that I in this book but but the character doesn't do anything like this in the book so maybe I'll throw this into a novella and I'll write a little bit of a um I'll write a little side story with this character that's influenced by something cool I just read um and then I'll just kind of build it up and and oftentimes especially with novellas because novellas are incredibly straightforward. And that's why I kind of enjoy writing them um, because my epic fantasy novels are uh, my shortest one is 165,000 words. 
um, and with three points of view. And so very complex, very intertwined. You really have to get everything right from a lot of different angles. Uh, but with a novella, it's a single point of view. It's going to be between 20 and 30,000 words. It's, it's honestly something I can, I, I have in the past, I have had the idea and finished the novella within two weeks. Um, and I like that. I like that little self-contained sort of bam idea, bam written, bam off to beta readers. Um, and, uh, and I do, I kind of love that. Uh, but in terms of kind of inspiration, it's, it's, it usually is just a, it's a shower thought, you know, like a, something struck me while I was driving to the doctor or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, over the course of a day or two, like my brain will just kind of play with that idea until I get the basic shape of a, of a story. And, and I don't really plot my novels, but my novellas, I plot very tightly because they're so short. They're so easy to, and self-contained. Um, I will sit down and I will plot it out very strictly of this is what this chapter is. That's the next chapter. That's the next chapter. And you know, the, you know, novella is only going to be what eight to 12 chapters or something like that. And so it's really easy to just get it all sorted out in a single afternoon and then start writing. Do you put people, you know, into your books? No, <laughs> no, I've, I, especially with promise of blood, I included descriptions and, and, and a little bit of, you know, there's a little, a couple of my siblings kind of, you know, show up kind of as characters and everybody noticed. And that kind of annoys me because it wasn't really on purpose. Um, and so I, I now go out of my way to not have people that are vaguely representative of people I know. Um, cause I did that before and, you know, some of them consciously, some of them subconsciously and, um, and I just, uh, and it kind of annoys me when people say, oh, this character is so-and-so. And I'm kind of like, no, they're not. Like maybe you as the reader got that out of that, but it's not even, that is not what I had in mind. Um, and so, I don't know, it's, it's a weird, like, it's a, it's a weird thing to be annoyed by, but it definitely, it definitely bugs me. What about other author friends or people you talk to that go, hey, will you read my book? How do you handle that? Oh man, that is rough because like I said, I don't read for pleasure like at all anymore. Um, so I don't even read the things that I want to be reading, uh, let alone somebody's book. And I get, I get an email probably every couple of weeks from somebody saying, Hey, do you think you'd be willing to look at this? And I, I just, I always have to just say, look, I'm really sorry. I don't have time. I just, um, because, and I, I try to be really polite about it because there's no need to be a dick about it or anything, but it's, like I said, I, I'm not even reading the stuff I want to read because I just don't have that kind of, uh, I guess, m emotional slash creative energy. Um, all of that goes into creating books, not reading them for me anyways. Um, and so, so yeah, I don't, I, man, I, I don't even read books by people that are friends of mine some, most of the time. Uh, occasionally I will, something will spark my imagination and I will, I will go ahead and read something. Uh, but it's pretty rare. And, uh, and I always feel a little bad about that because you have a lot of writers are voracious readers. And so I'll see, you know, so-and-so has, you know, given a cover quote for 85 books this year. And I'm like, man, how did you get the energy? 
energy to read all of that, let alone try to come up with a pithy sentence about it. Because honestly, the pithy sentence is far worse than actually reading it. Um, and so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm I, that it's such an awkward thing, and I always it, it's it it becomes. I think it's more awkward for me sometimes than it is for them because I just. I always feel really bad about saying no, but I also always say no. No, and, and, and I, I think most authors that I talk to say no, because you do run into that situation with, what if it's bad? Like yeah. they're asking you to read it so that you write something about it, for instance, right? They want that little little one-liner or the blurb on the back of their book, like not the actual blurb, but like a look at these authors that have read it and said it's fantastic. Ergo, your name is attached to it when yeah. they go to publish it, blah, blah, blah. But then if it's crap, what the hell do you do? It definitely puts you in a really awkward position when it comes to that, not just timing wise, but relationship wise. If it's not your cup of tea or there's something about it that you don't like, which can happen. We all have opinions on stuff like that. What about reviews for you? Do you read your reviews? You know, when my career first started, I read every single review um, because, you know, you're 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 starting in a vacuum. You don't know whether you're good or not. You've just had like your agent tell you you're good and that's it. Um, and so, yeah, I used to constantly read every single review and I just don't anymore. You know, like if if something I'll um, the only reviews I ever read anymore are the ones that like pop up on Instagram in a foreign language. Uh, and then I'll hit the little translate button to make sure that they didn't hate it before I like retweet it or something like that. Um, and that's, that's basically, that's basically all the, all the review readings that I will do. Um, you know, when a book first comes out and I'll, I'll get trade reviews, like in, you know, like library journals and stuff like that, then yeah, I'll read those ones because those, those are fairly important because you're going to probably get more readers from that review than you will from a normal review. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I try not to because reviews are stressful and, and and there's always like the four, four and a half star reviews that are like, this was amazing. And, it, and they'll gush about you for like three paragraphs and they'll have a single sentence of criticism and your stupid human brain like latches onto that single sentence of criticism and it ruins your day. Uh, and, and you're just like, oh, that's, it's not worth it. No, that makes sense. What about, um, you write high fantasy, have you thought about writing in different genres? Um, like I, I have my self-published urban fantasy, but urban fantasy is not, you know, it's, it's not a huge jump or anything, uh, from epic fantasy. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't think so. I mean, I guess within genre, I suppose, um, you know, I, I've, I've got science fiction ideas, um, some space opera stuff I, I would love to play with someday, um, but my career as it is, is pretty much locked into epic fantasy guy. Um, and that's cool. I like it and I'm still enjoying writing it. Uh, and so, uh, so at the moment I'm, I'm pretty cool with being epic fantasy guy. And, and I'll, if, if there's something else that I really want to write, then I'll do it at some point when I get the time. Um, so when you are on deadline and you're writing, do you listen to music or no? No, no. Mm -hmm. When I write, I need dead silence. Um, okay. 
I am. Uh, I know some authors who who love to have music on in the background, or so even will construct soundtracks to listen to while they're. Li- and man, I just cannot do it. Um, it uh, very occasionally I will listen to some music to amp myself up for writing. Um, but as soon as the writing starts, everything is off. Period. I can't have distractions or anything else going on. What about? Um... Uh, story graveyards. Do you have a story graveyard where you have started to write and you're like, nah. I'm, I mean, yeah, I don't even have it organized or anything. I've just got files in Dropbox somewhere of, of things that I wrote a couple of pages in. And then either I got distracted with something I was under contract with, um, or I just wasn't that interested in whatever I was starting. And then it just never continued. So yeah, I've got a few of those. And I've got a couple of projects that are kind of just on the back burner for when I really want to work on something um, or when, when I have some, you know, when I have a few months or, or the next time I don't have a contract um, under undertaken. So, so yeah, there's definitely those, those things sitting out there. Um, but I, I, I tend to be one of those people that I really like to, um, if I'm going to put the work into world building and creating like a setting, I want to just finish it. I want to go all the way through it. Um, and so, so I don't have very many projects that I haven't finished, but they're definitely there. Do you write short stories? No, I've done a couple of powder made short stories. Um, but in terms of like original, you know, actually writing 3000 word, whatever, no, I, I just, I can't. I, it's so small and constraining. I hate that little form. Even my short stories are like 8,000 words. Um, the, the couple of Powder Mage ones I've done. And so I just, I, I don't like the little tiny, I don't like the constraints of trying to write in a really small amount of space. I, I you know, I've heard that. There's authors that just can't. I've met authors that literally can't. If you go, you have this limitation they submit and you're like, okay, that's 25,000 words. I said 2,500 words. Yeah. And they're like, I know, but I cut it down. And I'm like, from what the hell did you cut it down? It was supposed <laughs> to be like five pages. What the hell is wrong with you? you know? But they can't. They just cannot write in that tiny little area of doing it. Yeah. It's yeah. Kind of I, class I, fiction that's like 100 words. Right. Like, I guess it, it goes back to me, like what I was saying just a moment ago, that is that if I'm going to take the time to create a world, then I want to spend time in that world. I, I don't, I don't really want to waste a bunch of, I don't want to waste a perfectly good fantasy world on a few thousand words um, or less even. Um, it's just, it, it feels like I, I've wasted my time and I've wasted the reader's time because I don't know. I just, uh, it, I, I do have a deep, I have a deep respect for people who are able to do that, but, um, I don't know. Things take a lot longer to percolate in my brain, I think, than some authors. And so when they have, when something's cooked in my brain, I want to serve the full course meal. I don't want to just do like a tiny little something. No, it's a great analogy. I love that. <laughs> So who you, you're in, oh, I, oh, I do. All right. The pressure, um, your genre is epic fantasy. So who, who are your inspirational authors? Like who, who in that genre really inspired you in terms of writing? 
Um, you know, I came kind of came up under Brandon Sanderson just because, um, you know, I took classes from him when when he was still very new. Um, but like in terms of um, like outside of Brandon, uh, who I know personally, like uh, very much uh, Joe Abercrombie, uh, Steven Erickson, um, some of these guys who just have created these awesome kind of i really i i kind of love kind of the military epic fantasy which is what uh, powder mage is um and uh and so i don't know i've i've always enjoyed that and and some of these guys like steven erickson is a really hard one to talk about because he is so good at world building um and so expansive uh and um and like I like the audio books for the Malzen uh, book of the fallen, like all 10 books. It's like 600 hours or something like that. Um, they're just, it's massive. Um, and his, so his stuff is way more expansive than mine is, or probably ever will be. Um, but like Joe Abercrombie's probably a lot closer. Uh, when I set out to write promise of blood, I actually very specifically told myself, that I wanted to write in terms of content and character creation and um, even like kind of the, how dark I was willing to go with the world and things like that. I just, I wanted to be right between uh, Joe Abercrombie and Brandon Sanderson. Um, and so that kind of influenced where I was going with that. Cool. Okay. We've gotten to the end of this podcast. I um, thank you so much for being on it. Um, what is the next book that's coming out right now um, my, as it stands? My next book as it stands, unless I get something, one of my little self-published out sometime this, uh, the end of this summer, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, but my next uh, contracted book is uh, In the Shadow of Lightning. Uh, it's a brand new, big epic fantasy world. Um, and uh, it's coming out from Tor in uh, June of 2022, or at least right now, I think it's June. They, they may shift that by a month or two in either direction. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that'll be out next summer and, uh, the, in the shadow of lightning book one of the glass immortals. And what is the premise behind this particular delightful series? Uh, the premise behind this series is, uh, it is about a, uh, the, the main character, uh, is a young man who is a failed prodigy, uh, within a, uh, an imperial system, uh, that is, um, where where uh, a very cutthroat imperial system of um, of large guild families always jockeying for position and this young man was a failed prodigy uh, and his mother is murdered she's a prominent politician and she's murdered and he has to come home and take control of his little guild family and then try not to be crushed as he figures out a way to save magic that runs the empire wow this sounds fun. Cool. And how many books are planned in this one? Three? Uh, the moment is a trilogy. So we'll, we'll see how that goes over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, sometimes these things balloon and sometimes they don't. So Very, very cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Wait, quick. How do people find you? I almost forgot to ask that. Uh, they can find me at brianmcclellan.com uh, or at briantmcclellan on Twitter. Uh, and uh, they can Google Powder Mage to find uh, all of my Powder Mage books. Uh, Promise of Blood is the first one. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Cool. Thank you again for being on the podcast. Thank of you. Course. This was fun. Yes. Okay, so I've been your host, Erica Lance, and with me has been... 
JM Piquette. And we will see you next time.